Awesome, awesome. So have y'all liked Big Tuesday? Yeah! I'm going to be honest with you. Growing up here at Goldenport Church, man, I had the opportunity to come to Praise Week from the time I was in sixth grade all the way through. <coughs> Big Tuesday has always been my favorite day, my favorite night of Praise Week. And I'm going to tell you why. I love the Fridays. Y'all like the Fridays? Give it up to you. Let's give it up to you. And I love the big entertainment. It's it's the second night, man. You kind of get you kind of get in the groove. You know what I mean? It's that Praise Week groove. You, the first night you show up, you're kind of like, who's Steve? Is that person on there? You know, you kind of run around doing all that stuff. Man, man, you're in it now. We are in it. We are painted up, decorated up. We we are in the middle of. It. But I'll be honest with you, my favorite part of Praise Week is that big ball out on the Man, I love that big ball. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't always like playing big ball, okay? I didn't like the, you know what I mean? I didn't like that. But I have enjoyed watching you guys play big ball for years now. For years. And I'm going to tell you what, I have seen some of you teenagers go flying. I mean, fly, like legit, like like Superman paired up to the ground, like, ah! you know what I mean? And I just need to sit back there and I'm like, man, I don't have to do that. That's awesome. I love it. I love it. Guys, I am so excited that you're here tonight. <coughs> and if you couldn't be with us last night, man, we hate that, but we're glad you're here tonight. And um, I want to catch everybody up to speed, okay? Very quickly, very quickly, just take a few minutes. I want to get everybody up to the to, to on, on par with each other. So I'm just going to ask you guys a few questions. Just going to ask you a few questions. Not if you're okay with that. Can Jake ask you a few questions? Not good. Good. Hey, all you have to do, all I'm going to ask of you, is to raise your hand. Okay. You don't have to get up. You don't have to say anything for anybody. So, so let's go ahead and practice. Okay. Everybody, raise your hand. Man, y'all are good. Y'all are good. Put them down, put them down. Here we go. Raise your hand if this is your first year participating in Praise Week. Man, that is awesome. That is awesome. Give them a hand. That is too cool, guys. That's too cool. Put your hands up. Put your hands down. Okay? We're going to get a little personal here. A little personal, okay? Raise your hand if you like to eat mushrooms. Raise your hand if you like to eat mushrooms. Yeah! 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 Oh my god, put your hands down. Put your hands down. You don't want people to know that, man. You don't want people to know that. Here, I'm going to let y'all in on something. Courtney, Courtney, my wife, okay, the beautiful lady that was singing up here earlier, she loves mushrooms. She would eat a bowl, just a bowl of pure mushrooms. I'm serious. Like, if you could rip, like, the Mario mushroom off the game, she'd carry that sucker around and just. You know what I mean? Like, she loves it. I don't understand. I don't get it. That's not me. Okay? And y'all can tell. I like food. Mushrooms ain't me. You know what I mean? This one, this one hurts. This one hurts because I know how many hands are going to go up, but I got to ask it. Oh, gosh. Raise your hand if you are a Clemson fan tonight. <laughs> Can you raise your hand? Y'all 
Y'all are hurting my soul. <laughs> if you raise your hand to that last question, man, y'all can leave. I can't. I ain't got no answer. Sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down. Guys, the reason I ask you these questions, the reasons I ask these questions tonight, is because if you notice, there wasn't one question, not one question. For every single person, I mean 100%, raise their hand. Not one question I ask. And you say, well, well okay, well, well, what does that matter? Well, it means something. Something simple. It means we're different. It means sitting under this tent tonight, as a group, as a, as a group of teenagers, man, we have differences. Okay? And, and guys, leading up to this week, we notice that if you ever pay attention to the news, if you ever pay attention to Facebook, politics, what's going on in the world, man, you're going to be shown people's differences. They're going to be pointed out to you. They're going to be highlighted for you. People are going to be talking about their differences. So this is what we want to do this week. This entire week, we only get four days with you, four nights with you, but for this week, we didn't want to talk about differences. We didn't want to highlight more differences for you like the world does. For this week, for our time together, man, we want to talk about a few things we have in common. A few similarities we have with each each and every one of us. Okay? For instance, number one, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. There is nothing you can do. There is nothing you can tell Jesus that would make him change his mind. He loves you. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the what? World. The world. Everybody. Every single human on the planet. It don't matter your differences. It don't matter how big or how little. It don't matter how weird. Thankfully, for some of you. God loves you. God loves you tonight. The number two thing we have in common tonight, and we talked about this a little bit last night, started talking about it, is God wants you to experience a full life. Okay? Does that ring a bell for some people? God wants you to experience a full life. And I want to make sure that I hammer this in, guys, so that we all understand what I'm saying when I say a full life. And the, the life that God wants for you. Okay? A full life does not mean a life full of money. Okay? Dollar, dollar bill doesn't mean that. Does not mean that. Not necessarily. A full life does not mean handsome boyfriends. And beautiful girlfriends, Chase. That's not what it means. A full life doesn't mean a life of luxury. Doesn't mean you have the best of the best of the best. Doesn't mean you have the nicest cars or the nicest clothes or, or go to the best school or that's not what it means. That's not what God means when we say a full life that He intended for. The full life that God wants for you is a life full of purpose. 
It's a life with direction and meaning. The full life that God wants for you is, is, is a life full of impact. He wants your life to impact the people around you and make a difference in their lives. The people that you care about. The full life God wants you to experience is a life that is joyous, that is full of joy. So our question that we have to answer this week, how do we experience that life? Man, if God has a life for me that is full, and He wants, He, he desires that I live that life, how do I do it? Well, last night we started exploring that. We started looking into that. And we looked at the life of a man named Paul. And now Paul was one of the greatest Christians, one of the greatest evangelists to ever live, to ever walk the planet. But we found out that that wasn't always who Paul was. You say, what do you mean? Well, Paul had a past. And in Paul's past, man, he did some awful things, right? We looked at that last night. He did some terrible things. He made some very bad mistakes. Mistake after mistake. And man, he had some guilt and he had he had some burden and some hurt that he carried around. And we realized that Paul couldn't move on to the full life that God wanted him to experience until he overcame his past. Until he moved on from those things, until he left that hurt behind, until he left that hurt and that pain and all those mistakes behind him. Then he could move on to that life that God wanted him. And guys, we realized something. We realized that in order for us, in order for you to experience this full life, we would have to overcome our past too. We would have to move on from those mistakes that we've made. We would have to forget and, and move past all those bad things that we had done in order to reach that life. That was step one. Tonight we're going to look at step number two. Step two in experiencing the full life that God has intended for you. I believe that we can see this step illustrated very clearly in the life of a man named Joseph. Joseph. How, how many of you here not have heard of a man named Joseph before? Good, man. Good, good. Well, let me tell you Joseph's story, and let's see if we can't find our second step to a full life. Joseph was the son of a man named Jacob. He was one of twelve sons. Twelve sons. Man, can you imagine eleven brothers? Woo, that would be awesome. That would be off the chain, man. How, how, many, of, how many of you have a brother or sister? How many of you have a sister? Cool, 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 cool. Alright, cool. But man, Joseph was one of twelve sons. And the Bible clearly states that Joseph was the favorite. He was the golden child. He was daddy's perfect son. He could do no wrong. And because the Bible clearly states that, I believe that his 11 brothers, I believe they knew. 
It wasn't hidden. It wasn't a secret that their father loved Joseph more than he loved them. He favored Joseph more than, than he liked his other sons. It wasn't a secret. And man, one day, Joseph came to his brothers. And I can imagine them all sitting around the living room. And Joseph comes in and he's like, hey man, hey, hey y'all come here. I had this dream. I had this dream. It was crazy, man. It was crazy. Every one of us, all 12 of us, man, we were out in the field. And we were cutting grain. And we were bailing it up. And he said, and then all of a sudden, out of, out of nowhere, my bale of grain stood up. And man, mine stood up, and all of y'all's, every one of you, you guys, y'all's bales of grain came and bowed down to my bale. I mean, they just got, I mean, they just bowed down to it. It's like I was the king. It's like y'all were bowing down to me. That's crazy, ain't it? I mean, this is crazy. And man, the brothers... They didn't like that. They didn't like the sound of that. And they looked at Joseph and they said, What? What do you mean? Are you trying to are you trying to tell us that you're gonna be some kind of king? That you're gonna reign over us? We're gonna bow down to you one day? What what are you saying? Man, they started they started feeling some jealousy build up and some anger. And eventually it boiled over and the Bible says they began to hate. Joseph. They began to hate him because of these dreams that he was having. And it wasn't very long after that man, that he came to his entire family. He didn't just keep it to his brothers. He went to his, his father and his mother and he said, guys, I had another dream. I had another dream. This time, the sun and the moon and eleven stars bowed down before me. The sun and the moon and the eleven stars bowed down at my feet. And man, Jacob, Joseph's father, he, he said, "What are, are you trying to say that your your mother and I and all of your brothers are going to bow down to you? That you're going to reign over all of them? What, what are you talking about?" And it said that jealousy and that hatred in his brothers' hearts, man, it just grew. It just grew and it swelled up inside of them. Man, one day Jacob asked Joseph, he said, will you go check on your brothers? He said, they're out in the field, they're tending to the flocks, but will you go check them? Come back and tell me how everything's going. He said, absolutely, Dad. He, he took off out the house, man, and he's walking out in the field. He says his 11 brothers saw him coming from a distance. And man, this anger and this jealousy and this hatred had swelled up so much inside of them that when they saw Joseph coming, they said, you know what? I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of constantly being reminded that, that he's the favorite child. I'm constantly being reminded that, that our father doesn't love us as much as, as he loves Joseph. I'm done with it. Let's get rid of it. And they devised a plan, and they were going to kill him. His own brothers were going to kill him. They were tired of him. And as Joseph approached and, and, and came closer, one of his brothers who had just an ounce, I mean, man, just an ounce of compassion, said, guys, you know, I, man, maybe, maybe we shouldn't kill him. Okay? I, I don't want my own brother's blood on my hands. I don't want us to have to carry that around. 
He said, and then he looked around and he said, Here, here's an empty well. Here's a dry well down in the ground. He said, man, let's just grab him. We'll throw him down in the well. We won't tell anybody. We'll leave him here. He'll die. But we didn't kill him. Like, yeah, man. Yeah, that, that worked somehow. Man, so that's what they agreed to do. Joseph walked up. I'm sure eager to, to, to say, hey, to his brothers, check, see how they were doing. And man, they jumped him and they grabbed him. And they ripped, ripped off the robe that his father had given to him. There was a special gift to Joseph. They threw it on the ground and they threw him down in the well. And they were going to leave him there to die. That was the point. It says later that evening they sat down to eat. Now I want you to understand. Their brother is in a well. Very close to them. Where they were believing to die. He is probably yelling. He's probably pleading for his life. But man, they're going to sit down and have some crackers before they go back to the house. It says they sat down to eat and as soon as they did they heard something in the distance. They turned and looked. And it was a caravan. It was, it was a group of traders making their way to Egypt. And man, one of the brothers had the brilliant idea. He said, man, he said, uh, he said, what are we getting out of this? What are we getting out of leaving Joseph to die in this way? He said, man, yeah, we'll get rid of him, but that's it. He said, what if somebody comes by and, and finds him and he gets out and comes home and tells father? You know what I mean? This is not a foolproof plan, guys. I got a better idea. Let's sell him. Let's sell him to these traders. They'll take him off to Egypt. He'll be sold again. He'll be way out of our hair. There's no way Father will find out. And, man, we'll make a little money. We'll get to take something home with us. So, man, the brothers, they love that idea. They loved that idea. And, and I don't know if they, they lowered a rope into the well or how they got Joseph out, but they got they got Joseph out of the well. And guys, I, I just want you to, to try and, and, and feel what Joseph felt or be thinking what he's thinking. He came to talk to his brothers, see how they were doing, to take a report back to his father. As soon as he gets close to them, man, they jump him, they rip off his clothes, and they throw him in this well. He doesn't hear from them for a couple of hours. They show up and they start grabbing him and trying to get him back out of the well. And I'm sure he's thinking, like, man, oh, thank, thank God, man, they, they had a change of heart. You know, I knew they couldn't do this to me. I knew, knew they couldn't do this to their own brother. They finally get Joseph out of the well, man, and I'm sure they were holding him and they take him to these people. And there's one of the brothers sitting there bartering for how much he's worth. And they hand him over to these slave traders and, 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 and they get some money and they split it up and they go on. Man, I can't imagine what he was thinking or what he was feeling. But Joseph went on, and he was taken to Egypt. <laughs> he was sold to a man named Potiphar. Now, Potiphar was a important man. He was a high-ranking man in Egypt. He had a large household. He had crops, livestock, land. He had multiple slaves, man. He had the state. And he started to notice something about his new slave, Joseph. He started to notice that whatever task he gave Joseph was done. It was done very well. Whatever responsibility 
he handed over to Joseph, man, it flourished. Everything that he give, that was given to Joseph, every task, every chore, every opportunity, man, Joseph would do it and do it extremely well. And the Bible says the Lord was with Joseph in everything that he did. And it wasn't too long before Potiphar started moving Joseph up the ladder. Yes, he was still a slave. Yes, he was still owned by Potiphar. But man, he started giving him more responsibilities. He started putting him in charge of stuff. And it didn't take very long before Joseph was in charge of his entire estate. He was over every slave that he owned. He was in charge of of every piece of property, of every uh, animal, every crop. Man, Joseph was man. When Potiphar left the house, Joseph was in charge. Everything seemed like it was like it was turning for the better until one day when Potiphar's wife got to looking at Joseph. Man, she started noticing something. She started noticing that Joseph was a good-looking Jonah. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not saying the Bible says this, but I'm pretty sure he had a 20-pack. Yeah, I don't understand it either. Man, chisel jaw mine. I, I, I imagine in my head, I imagine like Thor just walking around the house with his hammer. You know what I mean? But man, she desired Joseph. <coughs> she wanted Joseph. But Joseph, Joseph resisted her time and time again. And finally, she, she devised this plan. She waited until it was only her and Joseph in the house. No other slave, Potiphar, was gone. Everybody was out of the house. And she decided that she was going to take Joseph. Man, he, he resisted. He didn't want any part of it. He wasn't going to do that to his master. He wasn't going to do that to Potiphar. It wasn't right. So he did the only thing that he could. And as, as, as she went to grab him, man, Joseph turned and he took off. Ran slapped out of the house. And you say, well, that's good. Well, when he turned to run, Potiphar's wife grabbed his robe. And as she sat there with Joseph running out of the house, she became infuriated infuriated and she just began to scream. Standing there holding his robe, she began to scream and a slave ran in and said, what's going on? What's happened? And in the, in the rage that she was, as infuriated as she was, she said, Joseph tried, tried to come on to me. Look, I've got his robe right here. This is the proof. Man, Potiphar got back to the house <laughs> Unfortunately, he believed the lies that his wife told him. He had Joseph thrown in prison. No questions asked. I don't believe Joseph had been in prison very long before the warden, the overseer of the prison, began to notice something. Though Everything that Joseph touched, God was in it. Every responsibility he was given, every task he was asked to do, he completed it. And it was done better than it had ever been done before. And man, he started to notice it, just as Potiphar had noticed it at his house. 
So he, he began to give uh, Joseph more responsibilities and more responsibilities. And guys, it wasn't very long. And Joseph was actually running the prison that he was a prisoner of. Running the prison that he was a prisoner of. Man, and he, he, met, he met some prisoners while he was there. One of them was Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, the most powerful man in the world at the time. It was the Pharaoh's personal cupbearer, and he had been thrown into jail. Man, he had this dream. This dream that just wouldn't leave him. This dream that was aggravating and tormenting him at night. And he told Joseph about it. Joseph said, man, you know, I serve a God that, that can interpret these dreams. So maybe he'll, he'll, he'll show me what this dream means. And God showed Joseph that he shared it with the cupbearer. He said, man, i got good news for you. i got great news for you. A few days from now, man, you're going to get your job back. They're going to rip you out of this prison. They're going to give you your life back, your family back, your, your pay back. Everything's going to be restored to you just as it was. And man, I'm sure that cupbearer was like, sweet, awesome. And Joseph said, hold on, man. I'm going to ask a favor of you. When you're restored, when you have your life back, when you're out of this prison cell, man, I want you to do something for me. I want you to remember me. I want you to remember this favor that I've done for you. That's all I ask. I want you to remember that I'm down here. And the cupbearer said, yeah, man, absolutely, absolutely. A few days passed, and what happened? Man, the cupbearer was restored to his job. He was given his life back, back with his family, back with his house. Everything was restored just as it had been. Everything is great. Except for one thing. He forgot about Joseph. It slipped his mind. He forgot about the favor that he had promised to Joseph. And man, Joseph sat in prison for two more years. Two years passed. And finally, Pharaoh had been tormented with a dream. They had brought in people from all over the land, paid people that tried to interpret the dream, and nobody knew what it meant. Nobody could get it right. And finally, one day, I guess, the cupbearer overheard him talking about it, and boom, Joseph shot into his mind. And I can imagine him standing there when, 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 when the thought just hit him, and he goes, Oh, no. Oh, my gosh. And he rushed to Pharaoh. He said, Man, there, there's somebody in our own prison that can interpret dreams. He did it for me and he was absolutely right and I'm sure he can do it for you if he's still there. And Pharaoh said, man, go get him. Bring him here. So they ripped Joseph out of prison and they brought him before the most powerful man on the planet. Pharaoh shared his dream with Joseph. God interpreted the dream and Joseph told the Pharaoh, he said, man, this is what it means. He said Egypt is going to experience seven years of prosperity. Seven unbelievable years. Man, you're going to get rain. We're going to have food. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be wonderful for seven years. He said, however, that's going to be followed with seven years of famine. 
Seven years of no rain. Seven years of terrible drought. Seven years of disease. And Pharaoh said, okay, we've got to do something. So he drew up a plan. He said, we've got to prepare for this seven years of famine, man. We've got to, we've got to put back in storage when, when, we have, when we have enough. We have to save in order to survive this. In order, in, in order to, to, to live through this famine. Man, so he created a position. Somebody that was going to do that. Somebody that was going to oversee every bit of that. You know who he gave that job to? That's right. He gave it to Joseph. Not only did he give him that job, man, he made Joseph his second in command. The second most powerful man on the face of the planet. Joseph went from favorite son to slave. He went from slave to prisoner. And he went from prison to the second most powerful man on the face of the earth. So what does our story show us? And what can we learn from Joseph's life? Guys, this is it. If you're having trouble, I know it's hot out here. I know we got fans going. What does our story show us tonight? Joseph embraced the present. You hear me? Joseph embraced the present. You say, what, what, do you, what does that mean? What do you mean, Jack? Well, Joseph made the most of every single day. Every single situation that he was put in, every, every day when he woke up and he found himself in a different place, no matter how good it was or how bad it was, Joseph made the most of it. He made the best of his situation. Man, Joseph was a slave. He was bought. He was purchased. He was owned by somebody. Man, he could have tried to run away. He could have waited until Potiphar was going on a business trip, till there was nobody looking in the middle of the night, and he could have took off. He was a smart dude, but he didn't do that. Man, he woke up and he found himself a slave, and he said, okay, I'm a slave. I'm going to be the best slave that I could possibly be. The absolute best. said, man, I'm in charge of running this household. I'm going to run it better than anybody else has ever run it before. He embraced the present. You said, what did that get him? Man, I got him lied about and thrown in prison. That's what it got him. That's where it got him. And man, when he was thrown in prison for something that he didn't do, for trying to do the right thing, it would have made perfect sense for him just to sit there and wallow in his own <coughs> depression. It would have made sense for him to give up and say, you know what, I ain't doing it anymore. I am done with it. I tried. I tried to make the best out of it. And look, this is where it's got me. He could have done that. It's not what he did. Man, he looked around that prison. He looked at every other prisoner. And he said, you know what? Man, I'm going to be the best prisoner here. I'm going to be the best prisoner I can be. And every task they give me, and every obstacle that I come up against, I'm going to do it the best I absolutely can. 
Joseph embraced the future. I'm sorry, the present. Joseph always made the most out of the situation he found himself in. And guys, I want to be completely honest with you tonight. honest with you guys. I don't know what your situation is today. I don't know what kind of situation you woke up in this morning. Say, what do, I, what do you mean? I mean, I don't, I don't know how your family life is like at home. I don't know how your friendships are going right now. I don't know how your relationships with people are. I don't know. I don't know the situations that you guys are in right now. But guys, I do know this. I do know this, and if you're not listening to me right now, guys, I want you to tune in because this is the most important thing I'm going to say tonight. I do know this. In order for you in order for you to experience the full life that God wants you to experience, you are going to have to make the best out of your situation. You're going to have to make the best out of it. No matter how good it is. No matter how bad it is. Guys, you're going to have to wake up every day and you're going to have to embrace the present and make the best out of where you're at, out of what you've got. That's what we have to do in order to experience the life, the full life that God wants us to. Sometimes you're going to want to whine about it. Sometimes you're going to want to sit there and say, man, it ain't fair. It ain't fair. I don't deserve it. It may be true. But you got to make the best out of it anyway. you got to push through that. you got to push it to the side. And you have to make the best out of the situation that you're in right then. Guys, embracing the present is our step two. Step two to experiencing the life, the full life that God wants for you. The life that God has planned for you. The the life that is impactful. The life that has meaning and purpose and is joyful. Embrace the present. Make the most out of what you got. Make the best out of the situation that you're in. Let me break you guys.